Welcome to another episode of Exploring Art Podcast, a Florida International University student podcast for the creative curious. I'm your host, Carmen, and welcome to Exploring Art Podcast. Today's case study is based on John Cage's 433. Among the most famous works of John Cage, a well-known contemporary composer, is his piece for piano entitled 433. To perform that work, the pianist goes on stage, sits at the piano, opens the keyboard, and remains seated for exactly four minutes and 33 seconds. At the end of that time, the pianist closes the keyboard and leaves the stage. The main question at hand is if John Cage's 433 is a work of art. Well, upon my personal research, I found out a lot of amazing things about John Cage that I did not know about before. For starters, one of his lifelong partners, Merce Cunningham, was a dancer. In the course of their relationship, they cultivated something new and fresh that many other artists at the time were not familiar with, nor did they accept. He was an influential developer of modern dance in which him and his partner, Merce Cunningham, did so well into introducing into the dance world. He's worked with many other collaborators, such as Arnold Schoenberg, Manon Van Tool, and so many other artists. Apart from that, John Cage's piano piece, 433, caused many controversy in the wake of the new world when it came to art. He lost many connections and relationships with other artists because they didn't really understand the purpose of what 433 meant to him or to art in general. Many people have asked themselves whether this is art and based on the research, I personally myself see the idea that he was trying to go with, um, the fact that there's no sound and it's up to the listeners to interpret what it is that they hear, although there's no sound happening. I do not think this is art. In one sense, it is because art is up to the viewer, in this case, the listener, whatever they interpret from the essence of silence in this case, that is what makes his piano work art. But for me, I don't really see the real purpose behind it. I cannot interpret anything but silence. So the fact that I don't hear anything, um, I can't imagine anything with the silence, doesn't make it art to me. Apart from that, John Cage's purpose, so to speak, behind this work of art was meant to be perceived as consisting of the sounds of the environment. I interpreted that as the listeners listen to nothing. And in the course of listening to nothing, they need to make up something in their own mind, use their, use their imagination to make something out of the silence. Like I said previously, I understand how that is art, but to me, art is something that I see or listen to that transports me into another 
realm, so to say. When I researched this case and I saw the work, I was confused at first because I didn't really understand what was going on. I saw the pianist and when he was prepping himself to start playing and when nothing came out, I was very much confused as to why he wasn't playing. And I thought maybe this is on purpose. Maybe the artist isn't supposed to do anything. Um, but after like a minute or two went by, I said to myself, okay, so they're definitely not playing anything on purpose. So I guess this is what the artwork is supposed to be. It's very unfamiliar because growing up, I'm used to seeing art, whether it's painting, murals, sculptures, and music in itself. You listen to lyrics and you try to connect with lyrics. And that's how I familiarize myself with music in the art form. Researching this case, it wasn't unusual for John Cage to go this route. Uh, throughout his entire career, he's been a bit of an out-of-the-box person, which suits him very much because considering all of his previous works, um, it ties into the person that he is. But considering this work of art, I don't really see it as art. Um, one of the questions was if John Cage insisted that 433 is a listening experience in which the audience is supposed to hear background noises, would your answer to the last question be different? I would say yes, because not that they're necessarily being forced to find a background noise, but once there is background noise, then it adds to the silence. So it's not just completely silent. Um, considering that the way that John Cage, I would assume, hoped for this piece to be is something revolutionary for people to look deeper into the piece itself. In other words, the silence is there on purpose. So that way with the silence, the listeners are able to interpret the silence however they want to or choose to, whether it's they think about something in the silence or they listen to background noises like the question said. Um, so yes, it would change my answer because if there isn't any background noise and it's just silence, it's not giving me personally anything to feed off of in order to, I guess, imagine myself what the piece would sound like. Um, another question is that suppose that during a recent concert of Cage's works, the pianist hired to perform 433 became ill at the last moment and had to withdraw. In desperation, the stage manager himself performed the work. Would this be a performance of Cage's work? I think yes, because throughout my research, it didn't really, like nothing said that John Cage created this piece specifically for one person or for one group of people. Um, whoever understands or connects to the work of art and is willing to perform it um, is entitled to do so. So I would say it is John Cage's work because it's not, he's not purposely or trying to fixate it on one specific person, but it's more of an open piece of artwork that whoever, you know, wants to tackle it um, can. 
And I think that's what makes it so controversial because a lot of the times when people see art or think of art, they automatically associate it with something else. There has to be a connection to something, uh, whether it be the artist's backstory or a made up story or inspiration from somebody else or from a TV show, a movie, a song. But John Cage's 433 piano work doesn't necessarily have a connect link to anything or anyone. It's just plain. Plain in the sense that you don't have to force yourself to associate it with anything. It's up to interpretation. There's no direct connection in which you have to say that, yes, 433 is connected to so-and-so or this person. It's up to whatever you want it to be. It can be whatever you want it to be. It can sound however you want it to sound in the presence of the silence that happens during the artwork. He was involved in many different things throughout his career. Um, Besides being an American composer and music theorist, he pioneered in the post-war avant-garde, which is essentially a movement that dealt with unusual or abnormal works of art that many in the public would deem as unacceptable. As I mentioned before, he worked with Mercer Cunningham and kind of became one of the innovators of modern dance. Besides all of his collaborations, he's been given many awards and been acknowledged in schools of art and music, and he pioneered his way into the art world. And one of the questions that I had for myself was, I to preface, I didn't really know much about John Cage. Uh, his name has popped up in the textbooks and what we've read so far in previous chapters. And because his name popped up in the textbooks, I did some minimal research a couple of times before, but never really went into depth. Um, but from what I have researched, John Cage, before his piano work 433, when people considered it to be weird and didn't want to be associated with him, he loved art. But in many of my research, I noticed that he quit art to focus more on music because, and I personally think that he probably felt that he could do more with music than with art. Not to say that he probably wouldn't have been as successful in art, but he stopped studying art at a not so young age, and then he switched on to music. So in my opinion, I think it takes a lot to do that because music is a form of art, but John Cage felt that, probably felt that he wasn't being as accepted in the art world um, because of his different ways. And during the time that he became popular and art was in the rise, a lot of people probably weren't as open as he was to try new things. And so he switched over to music in which he probably felt more comfortable. And in there, 
he found his relationship with Mercy and they collaborated with his music and his dance moves and they just created something very beautiful that has obviously lived on to this day and is a very popular dance genre in today's day and age. He has had many influences throughout his career. He's traveled to Europe, countries like Spain and France, and he attempted to use architecture, poetry, and painting and music at this time to really get his creative juices flowing. Um, another thing that I research is that in, this is all from kidald.com, K-I-D-A-D-L.com. And it says that in 1938, John Cage moved to Seattle and he started working in the Cornish College of Art, which became a pivotal point in his life. In 1942, he moved back to New York City and his performance at the Museum of Modern Art the following year made him famous as an avant-garde composer. Owing to his invention of the prepared piano, he made some significant contributions to music. So besides the fact that he started off as an artist and slowly gradually began teaching himself or learning more about music, not only did he inspire so many artists, but in the music world as well, he learned how to play instruments and try to find different ways on how to make music more personal, so to speak. So people can listen to his music and say, this is something different. This is something that I enjoy. Another thing from kidal.com, K-I-D-A-D-L.com, it says, John Cage found his reason to make music as he was introduced to traditional Indian music. When he was teaching Western music to Gita Sahrabhai, an Indian heiress, he wanted to know more about traditional Indian music in return. Sarabhai told him, him that in Indian tradition, the true purpose of music is to quiet and sober our mind, which makes our mind susceptible to divine influences. He has later recounted that he has always accepted this reason upon hearing it. When I read that, I kind of, I was able to actually make the connection between his piano work 433 and what the Indian heirs had told him. It's not necessarily about making music that has to have a purpose coming from the artist, but a purpose that comes from the listener. Having somebody listen to a piece of music and for them to interpret for themselves is what I think John Cage was trying to portray in his piano work 433. 433 itself is very much confusing to me, but I do see and understand much of what he was trying to show, display in his piece. It makes sense for him to do so because I also read that he was very out of the box and quirky. Um, so having this piece of music come from him isn't as far-fetched as somebody might seem. Um, he has pioneered so many things in his career that has changed and 
has had momentous impact on what the art world is today. John Cage was more than just a musician because I think he transpired more than just music. In today's day and age, you know, we have songs that have lyrics and we probably listen to the music because we think it's just cool. We don't really connect to it whatsoever. We don't really try to find a purpose behind it. Um, we don't really, you know, it's like the next hot thing, whatever everyone else is listening to, that's what we want to listen to. And I think that John Cage, not that he was tired of it, because I can't say that he was, I never met the guy, but I would assume that he wanted to go above and beyond that and probably change the game and say, listen, I'm going to create a piece of artwork that I consider art and it's going to be nothing. It's going to be absolute nothing. And it's up to you to interpret whatever it is you want to interpret in silence. Nobody's going to play anything. Nobody's going to talk. There's no noises anywhere. It's just somebody's going to sit at the piano and you're going to expect them to play the piano, but they're not going to. And another thing now that I said that, that reminded me of when I was watching the uh, 433 piano work um, on video is that when I saw the pianist come up to the piano and sit down, I know how a piano sounds. I've seen um, multiple pianists play on video. I, I've seen it live once. Um, so I automatically, you know, assume, okay, they're going to play probably like Mozart or Beethoven or a very common classical known piano piece that you would probably hear in like a Swan Lake a ballet show or something. So when I thought of that, I was like, okay, you know, maybe he's going to put a little twist to it. Maybe he's going to make it sound different. And then when I saw the whole four minutes and 33 seconds and nothing happened, um, I was it brought to my confusion because I was like, I don't understand why he's not playing anything. But it then clicked to me the same way that I assumed that it would be Beethoven or Mozart. That's me making a connection to the artwork. That's me assuming and making my own assumptions based on what I already know with the artwork. So maybe looking back at it, I would consider it a work of art based off of what I just said. Um, but at the same time, I also like to not be forced, but I like to have context behind something that is deemed as art. Um, I personally feel like without context, I wouldn't really understand what the purpose of it is. And because John Cage's 433 doesn't really have a lot of context unless you read about it, um, it made it really difficult for me to create something of it, you know, to base it off of something, create an emotion with it. Um, but yeah, other than that, it was a beautiful piece in its own sense. Uh, the idea behind it of somebody creating their own interpretations of it and really just thinking about what they would want the piece to sound like. Um, lastly, I just wanted to say that upon my research of John Cage, it was actually very enlightening um, to know of an artist that didn't go with the status quo. Um, I 
have been in art class since I was in elementary school. And a lot of the times they introduce you to the typical artist, let's say, you know, Frida Kahlo. Um, there's so many artists I can't even think of right now. But, you know, the typical artists that you would usually hear of um, that, you know, in their own ways revolutionized their genre of art. Um, but you never really hear about other artists that changed the game like John Cage had. I was a dancer in middle school and I didn't know exactly what modern art was, um, but my dance teacher taught us that it's just a freedom of expression in music that you don't need to worry about hitting all the beats or hitting all the rhythms or getting every single a note or lyric, right? You know, you don't have to hit all the hard lines of music. And that was another thing that John Cage inspired with his partner, Mercy Cunningham. You know, both of them basically said, you know, modern dance is going to be just like the music in the sense that the music doesn't have to make sense and neither does the dance. And that itself is art that itself is leaving the viewers and the listeners and the participants to interpret this work of dance as they wish, same as with music. So with that being said, I want to thank you for joining me so much today. I really appreciate it. This concludes Exploring Art Podcast. Subscribe to Exploring Art Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for listening. Please join us soon and remember to stay curious. <laughs>